1: Hey, it's mailbag time. Is anyone starting to doubt Jameis Winston? And what's with all the Tommy John surgeries for the Rays anyway? And what do the Bolts have to do if they're going to finally raise the Stanley Cup? We'll also talk about the president's decision to uninvite the Eagles to the White House. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud with the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started on this podcast, let me tell you about a special offer from audible.com. Sign up now. And you get a free thirty-day trial. That's a fifteen-dollar value, and a free audiobook. All you have to do is this: go to audibletrial.com/sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial.com/sportsday for a free thirty-day trial and a free audiobook. Okay, Steve. Well, the Rays lose four to two to the Washington Nationals, and Max Scherzer. Um, this guy was lights out, man. He uh, the good thing about the game was it took uh, I think all of two hours and seventeen minutes two sixteen uh, officially was it two sixteen yes. okay well uh, what's a minute between friends but um, he was he was incredible I think at one point he threw fifteen straight first pitch strikes or something crazy like that well he threw ninety nine
0: pitches in the game eighty one were strikes
1: eighty one out of think about that I mean if you want to if you want to teach somebody how to pitch go watch Scherzer. now it helps that you have good stuff but. The fact that he just doesn't let these guys up, just pounds the strike zone, and you got to go up there ready to hit, makes all the difference in the world to not just the uh, the infielders and everybody else. But that's the way you should attack. You should attack hitters. Nathan Evaldi wasn't as sharp for the Rays this time. Remember the last time out, he was very very good, no hit for six innings. Um, gave up some runs early. It's five losses in a row now, Steve, for the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Boy, you don't want to go gamble with these guys at the Hard Rock. They're they're the they're the guys that like are up like you know a couple thousand dollars in the first few minutes and don't know when to get up. They they've won they win five. Remember they were in Oakland. They they won the first three in Oakland. That was five in a row. Now they've lost five in a row. I mean it's a weird way to hang around five hundred by instead of lose one maybe win two lose two win three. Not these guys. They just give it all back.
0: Well, here's the thing and and you know, we remember the beginning of the season they started 1 and 8 and 4 and 13. And part of the reason is they were playing Boston and New York a lot, who are two of the best teams in the league. Well, in right. June, they've got 27 games in June. 24 of them are against teams that are in the playoffs if the playoffs started today. And they're now 0 and 4 to start that month. They lost 3 to Seattle and then they've lost one to Washington.
1: Yeah, so the better baseball teams, they're not and 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 this is true the better the teams, the better the pitching, and you know whether it's Boston with David Price and Chris Sale, those are the teams that they're not they're not swinging the bats. It's not it's not as if they don't get hits, and they didn't have many hits tonight. I think it was four or five. Um, it actually made it interesting when um, Brad Miller came off the bench and had a two-run double in the eighth inning, and they and, had the tying run at the plate.
0: And, and not only that, but they scored two runs and raised Max Scherzer's ERA to one point nine five.
1: <laughs> That's crazy, man. It's just crazy how good he's been, uh, and and for a long time too. But this is maybe one of his best years ever. Well, he he's, back, he's the back-to-back
0: steals. Cy Young Award winner in the National League, and he's having a better year this year than the last two.
1: He's going to wind up winning three in a row. The guy's a Hall of Fame pitcher. There's no question in my mind about it. Um, but they they do they struggle against better pitching, and but they'll they'll get their hits. They'll get guys on. You know, like you'll see them get guys on. But they have to have a big hit, and that's what they've been lacking. When they were winning all those games, and, and they came back from that terrible start, um, they they were getting guys on, but they're getting big, you know, big hits and some home runs too, and that's not coming of as of late. So um, you know, this offense can look pretty feeble, and uh, and certainly against the better pitching, and that was the case, you know, yesterday. But um, some more bad news: Chris Archer now is on the ten-day disabled list with a groin a groin strain, I guess. Um, they're hopeful to get him back you know when this when this 10day stint is over, but that's going to put more pressure on the pitching staff. It looks like Man Andrees might eat up a lot of those innings that, that Chris Archer and that's the thing about Archer. Um, no matter how you feel about him, he's a guy that's remained pretty healthy throughout his career and you know is always you know always available to you at least every five every five days and's been pitching pretty well of late but um, this is not going to help them in this stretch either. They had their one day off. On Monday, I guess, and and they're on a. it Was it a stretch of forty, forty days or something yeah, like they had, that? They had
0: that was the first off day in thirteen days, I believe, and then yeah, I think they've played like forty games in forty one days. They had a double header in there. Goodness, yeah, it's it's been a, a brutal stretch, and then this month they get the the all the top teams in the American League and some of the National League with Washington in there too.
1: Yeah, so an afternoon game uh today, I guess, is is their two game series, interleague series. Wraps up in Washington, so something... uh, Afternoon baseball, which is always kind of fun. Johnny Venter's going to get the start. Is he really? Yes, he is. against Tanner Rourke. One of those bullpen days for him, I guess, Yes, it will be, And, and
0: Matt Andrees will get a bulk of the innings on Friday in place of Chris Archer, but they have not decided whether he will start or come in later. Interesting.
1: I wonder what he thinks. I bet he would like to start, but who knows? Maybe he's buying into all this stuff, but Johnny Venter's has been great, so... Uh, like to see him, if they're going to do that, see him. And I'm sure it has a lot to do with the way the Nationals, you know, order sets up and that sort of thing. Um, and Diego so we'll Castillo, Rays...
0: interested in seeing him. They, the Rays have said he's going to get into some high-leverage situations late in the game. They want to oh, see cool. what he can do with that. So he's one of those potential closers, uh, if not mm-hmm. this year, for the future. He's somebody they're grooming yep. for th- that type of role.
1: I think we're very close to seeing some of those guys come up from Durham. Um, you know, we're – the first week in June, you get middle to late June. I think you'll probably see some of them, depending on what you know, what all that particulars are with their contracts and things like that. But well, some it,
0: some some of it has to do with injuries at the major league level, or trades, or sure the rays. Sure. You know, uh, you know, I think the Rays would like to trade some of these players instead of just cutting them and still having to pay them. Yeah, no, no doubt no, about you know, to that. To make to make room, like for Jake Bowers to come up, you assume that you know Brad Miller is probably going to be moved unless either he or CJ Crone get hurt. Right. Uh, you know, Adamus, you probably don't call up until Echeveria
1: is off the roster. Do you know He's what to do hurt, with him? Yeah. You, you know, mm-hmm. you don't
0: want to call Bowers or Adamas up and have them sit on the bench. You want them? No, they're going to play, they're gonna play
1: and they're going to play every day. Yep. That's not the role you want them in, and that's that's sort of what they're waiting for, I think. For them so, to I think they're waiting for the
0: Super 2 date and everything else, but the other part of it is to make sure they're going to get enough playing time.
1: Yep, and I think it'll make a difference for them, and we'll see how they do. I mean, that's sort of what this year is about. And um, so Ray's got to pull themselves out of a funk to get a chance – at Washington today. Okay, so let's, uh, let's hit the mailbag. There's some questions uh, on uh, really all the teams, so I'll let you get started. We'll start with the Rays, and we had two questions kind of on the same topic. So, Rooting for UF
0: asking about the parade of pitchers going to see Dr. Andrews, wondering if it's a, a rut of bad luck or a systematic issue. John was more specific, says, Ron Porterfield left the Rays after 2017 to go work for the Dodgers. I believe the Rays only had one pitcher during his tenure require Tommy
1: John surgery. Now we've got three and seven months since his departure. Coincidence? Probably, Um, you know. I don't know. Ron Porterfield is one of the best trainers I think in baseball, and certainly, you know, that was an incredible run of luck. Um, You could maybe say that it was almost too good that their time was coming, and this this could be it. But I mean, look, I, I think this is epidemic in baseball. I mean, the Rays have really, you know, really been inflicted with it this year, with you know, starting with Brent Honeywell and just you know all the guys that have gone down with the Tommy John's, and now. The latest one being Anthony Banda. So it's, it's unfortunate. I, I think baseball has a problem. And nowadays, you know, it seems to be like there's two kinds of pitchers those who have had Tommy John and those who have, have not had it yet. And I think the reason for that goes to I mean, it goes to the fact that too many of these guys coming up through high schools, you know, play travel ball. Um, they they don't play multiple sports. A lot of them are just focused on one thing. It's overuse injuries and the velocity is the thing. And I used to think that it was well these guys are snapping too many curveballs off when they're twelve, and that could be the case. Um, you know that still happens, and I never understood why you want you know your eleven or twelve year old to you know throw breaking balls when a fastball and a changeup will do it. Um, but everybody is focused from the time you're in travel ball on with how hard can you throw. You know, I I knew a coach that um, my son played for and he used to tell his travel ball team, if you can throw 90 90 by the time you're 18, I'll get you a college scholarship. Well, so, you know, it was all about, you know, how hard you can throw and and, and it's undeniable that in the majors these days, you've never seen such velocity. I mean, every team has a guy that comes out of the bullpen that throws, you know, upper 90s. I'm talking 97, 98, sometimes 100 miles an hour. I mean, it was rare if a player threw 100 miles an hour back in the day. So I just think the arm is not meant to do that, and I think there's been an enormous emphasis on velocity for these pitchers, and that's why, frankly, I think they're all ending up with Tommy John surgeries. It's unfortunate, um, especially if you come from a college program. A lot of these guys are throwing a million innings in college. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I guess – I mean, I can't imagine that there's something being done so drastically that it's putting these guys, you know, elbows in, uh, in jeopardy. But um, I just think it's just their run of bad luck right now. All right. Well, Les asked,
0: with Archer's injury, does that hurt his trade value come July? He's been pretty durable, so the injury comes at a bad time. Also, if we get rid of him, can we s- still say we're built on starting pitching?
1: Um. Yeah, you're always gonna be built on starting pitching. I mean, just look at the draft. I mean, right? That's that's where they focused uh their their early picks and and they always will because they're not a team that can ever really at this point compete for starting pitching with the price tags that are out there. That's why, you know, the David Prices and the James Shields and those guys generally move on. As far as Archer goes, I don't know what his trade value will be. Certainly if he's not healthy, the you know, it's gonna affect them, but He has been durable, as as mentioned in the question, and this is not an arm thing. You know, that's the thing about Archer is that when we talk about Tommy John and stuff like that, he's been remarkably, um, you know, injury-free from a shoulder-arm standpoint. Um, So from that, you know, I I mean, a groin is something not as serious as as some things would be. Um, So he'll probably come back from that. I just don't know what his value will be. Like – is he a number three starter on a contending team? Is he a number four starter on a contending team? Um, you know, he, He's not a guy they're going to work out of the bullpen necessarily, Or even though he, I think he'd be very good in that role with the fastball and the slider. So, I, I mean, if there was a trade market for him that they were happy with, they would have already dealt him. It's not to say he won't be as they get down the stretch run. Um, but it's a 10-day DL. It's not 60-day. So I I think he'll be okay as far as the injury goes. I don't think that'll affect him.
0: Yeah, that, and I mean, you know, players get hurt. Teams know this. If you're healthy at the trade deadline or you're close to getting back to healthy, teams will still trade for you. They they know what you can and can't do. Um, Mm -hmm. They're not going to, because you spent a stint on the DL earlier in the season doesn't mean they're going to stay away from you. No, I agree. All right, Bobby asks, thoughts on the new Ray Stadium
1: design? Retractable or partially open air umbrella roof? Um, well, they have to have a roof. Let's just start there because I mean, there's just no way you'd be playing double headers all the time. And, you know, frankly, if you're a fan, you like to know that rain or shine, they're going to play That's That's always been sort of a bonus with the Rays. you know, if you, if you're a fan of them,
0: as long as the 16th street oh. substation stays up.
1: <laughs> true. Uh, that's true. They've had a little trouble <laughs> with the power. Um, but you know, that's, there's nothing you can do about that. I suppose the, uh, you know, I kind of like. I mean, there are ways to do a a roof, and again, I the retractable thing. I don't know is as important. Um, Look, I don't think it's going to be retractable. It, it's, because five, you're going to use it five times a year, and it, it's way the 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 difference mm-hmm. in expense is is precipitous. It's huge, right? You've been to so U.S. Bank
0: Stadium up in Minnesota.
1: That's the that's the model. Yeah. I was just going to say that. That's the model because. I don't know if you've been there, Steve. I have I, not. Uh, I have not, but I've read lots about it. It's uh, phenomenal. I mean, you literally don't feel like you're out. You're, you're inside. I mean, and that's saying something in Minnesota because obviously, in the wintertime you would know if you were outside because you'd be freezing, freezing your tail off. But it is there is so much natural sunlight that goes through that building um, that you you have a sense that you're you're sort of enjoying the day you know whatever the day is if it's a sunny day whatever um and yet you're still protected so my guess is i think every stadium that, that um is going to re- consider a roof should do it um like u.s bank because it's a it's a phenomenal not a good but a phenomenal place to watch a game and you really don't get that claustrophobic closed in feeling at all
0: all right we're going to switch topics now to the bucks and darren asks Don't you think it's inevitable that Winston gets a suspension? It seems to me if the NFL clears someone, it happens within a week or two when they're going to
1: suspend someone, they seem to wait to announce it during the dead period in June, early July. I don't know if it's inevitable. I I mean, I've been consistent with this. I do think he's going to get something. Um, And I don't have anything to base it on uh, really. I mean, well, I can't say nothing. I mean, it's more than an an educated guess, but nothing I can reveal at this time. Um, I I believe that, you know, again, the personal conduct policy is so broad that it's going to affect him in some ways. Now, the fact that it hasn't been um, adjudicated as such, I mean, this is sort of what the NFL does, right? I mean, whether it's Tom Brady, um, uh, you know, whose initial ruling came down in August, um, a couple weeks before, I think, the regular season started, and he appealed it, and actually played a whole season uh, for Deflategate. Uh, And then, you know, last year with Ezekiel Elliott, I want to say it was uh, probably May or June. So we're in about that time frame. Look, this is coming down sooner than later. When I say that, I mean, we could get to July 4th when the whole league takes off, I suppose. I sense that it's going to happen before that. I I think before the league takes its break, because there's only really two weeks where everybody is off, uh, in the NFL. Um, I think we're going to have something now. Yeah, um, I'll just say this. If it's if it's a lot of games, that would surprise me. And I think you'd be looking at an appeal process because, I mean, I don't think Jameis or anybody um, feels like that anything like that is worn. And in fact, I know that Jameis doesn't feel like he should get anything because he feels completely um, uh, innocent in these allegations and um, also has a witness in Ronald Darby that can, can confirm it and everything else. Um, but, you know, if somebody was in danger, I mean, this is how these things work. Like, okay, so you had the Uber account, so um, you're responsible for who's in the car with you. Uh, you're an NFL player. Um, you're representing a team. You're representing yourself. You're representing the Shield. You have another NFL player with you. Now, if somebody in that car does something that endangers somebody and they're part of your group and it's your car, uh, your account, then somehow you could then by proxy be responsible for that. I could see how that would be an extension of the NFL player conduct policy. So that's what I mean. Like, But, in, in, but you know, whether or not he did this or he did that uh, as as alleged, I don't know that that's going to be as easy to uh, to ascertain. So we'll have to wait and see. But um, I know they're hopeful he gets zero games. My my hunch has been that I I think that he's probably going to get something. Just because, I mean, I, I again, the liability of this whole thing is like, you know, you want to be fair. But there's really no due process because in this case, there was no criminal complaint. There's been no civil suit, although that could come later. Um, so there's no opportunity to really, you know, depose your accuser, in, in essence. I mean... So it's a little different than Ezekiel Elliott and some of those others. But we we should know um, probably. I I think we'll know before July 4th. That's just my hunch. All right. Gator
0: Dave asks Really rooting for Jameis, but does anyone else have doubt creeping in?
1: Oh, yeah. I think people do. And when I say people, I don't know who they are. (laughs) So many people on my Twitter feed, perhaps. Um, You have to doubt a quarterback. Uh, I don't think anyone went buck does. Let me just get that clear. I think, I think there are a ton of people, uh, whose very livelihoods depend on them being right about Jameis. And I think that they've been in football long enough to see signs that he is going to be that guy. Okay. Um, has he been that yet? No. Have there been some factors last year that prevented it like the arm injury? Yes. Um, You know, does he still turn the ball over way too much? And last year it wasn't as much the interceptions, but the fumbles? Absolutely. And here's the big thing is that no matter how you want to slice it up, right, um, he was the number one overall pick in the draft. That's an awful lot of expectation, okay? He wasn't a guy they took in the first round. He was the number one overall pick in the draft, a guy who won a Heisman Trophy, a national championship, and was a Pepsi Rookie of the Year. And threw for 4,000 yards. So he got off to a a pretty big start, even though they won six games as a rookie. And now the thing is, is that he's three years into it. And even though it's one position and one player, we know it's a quarterback league. uh, He's won 18 games. 18 games in three years. The three years previous to him coming here, they won 16. So he's two games better than when they took him number one overall. And he's going into his fourth year, which means that after this season, there's only the fifth-year option that the Bucks, you know, have picked up, but it's guaranteed only against injury. I think regardless, he's back for a fifth year. Even if Dirk Cutter and, and Jason Light aren't, I think they'll try to save him, uh, bring somebody in to see if they can't make, make him catch fire and be the quarterback they, they want him to be. Um, but is there doubts? Sure there's doubts. I mean, Professional sports is hard, and look at the division he's in. You know, Drew Brees is not going to back down in his last couple years in the league. Matt Ryan has been to a Super Bowl. Brees won one. Cam Newton has been to a Super Bowl. Um, The Panthers are getting better. All those teams are trying to get better. This will not be an easy thing for Jameis Winston to pull off. So, um, yeah, I I I definitely think there's doubts with any team that doesn't make the playoffs. There's going to be, you know, twelve teams that are happy with their quarterback. And everybody else has, has an eyebrow raised, I guarantee it, every single year.
0: Alright, Ellis now asks, with all the interceptions we've heard about at OTA, should Bucks fans be worried about the offense or hyped about the defense?
1: <laughs> well, Dirk is worried about the offense. Uh, Mike Smith is hyped about the defense, so somewhere in there is, is the mama bear. I think, from what I see, is it's not good on the offensive side. I mean, Jameis is throwing way too many interceptions, and you know, so have the other guys, I guess, although I've seen more from Jameis than some of the others. But, look, they're, they've are they got some players um, that are more aggressive on the outside. That's undeniable. I mean, you know, when you guys when you get a chance to see Carlton Davis, you're going to love him. And, you know, is he going to get beat because he's a rookie? Yep, he is. Uh, they're going to double move him. They're going to run hitch and goes. They're going to do all kinds of things because he's naturally aggressive. But he can play man. Um, he's long. I think he can play zone. That's still a work in progress. And he's going to play a lot of football regardless because even when Bernard, if Vernon Hargraves is a starter at right cornerback, when, when the other team goes to three wide and then they go to the sub package, Vernon's moving inside and Carlton's playing corner. Um, so he's aggressive. MJ Stewart is, is another guy that's very aggressive. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a good young group to go with Brent Grimes and some others. And so far, they've been quick studies. They've sort of – every guy to a man, when I talked to Hargraves last week and we played that interview, they all raved about just how quickly this rookie class has picked up the defense, you know. Because when you come in here, you know, your head's swimming. They throw and stall at you, and it's, you know, it's not like you're preparing for a game where you might have, you know, I don't know, 20 coverages you got to worry about. It's the entire playbook, okay, so – um this is this is the part where there's the most teaching going on and they
2: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com
1: they've done a nice job they really have they've done a nice job of trying to get the ball away and, and getting up on receivers and um being competitive for the football we haven't seen that uh really the last couple of years except for maybe grime so i like the group i i do think that that Cutter's about ready to see less interceptions right about now. But I had a quarterback a long time ago, Brad Johnson. I asked him one time, I said, Do you worry about throwing interceptions like in training camp or, you know, the preseason or, or, uh, you know, OTAs, that kind of thing? He goes, No. He says, Listen, he goes, If I'm not going to figure out what I can and can't throw um, in in the offseason workouts and in training camp and that sort of thing, then how am I going to know what to do in the regular season? He says training camp and, and the off season is when you do try to take shots and you do try to figure out, okay, against this coverage and this leverage, can I squeeze this in here, can I do this? It, it never upset him. Now, I, I think if you have a quarterback like Winston whose history is turning the ball over, you probably would rather see it not go into the other guy's hands. Um, I can remember watching the Patriots, for example, and this comes with age, right? But I'm um, watching the Patriots practice. I didn't see the ball picked off ever when Tom Brady was throwing it. In fact, it rarely hit the ground. So, you know, th- that's that's obviously what you're going what you're hoping for, but they're not there yet. And and but right now I think the new guys are showing up and that's probably why you're seeing more picks.
0: Okay. Bobby asks, Should the Bucks trade Deshaun sooner than later?
1: Well, if they're going to do it, it's going to have to be sooner because later would be too late. Um, I guess later could be in October when they reach the trade deadline. Uh, but, you know, in reality, you know, even though he signed a three-year deal, um, $20 million is guaranteed in the first two years. So make no mistake, I think this is Deshaun Jackson's last year with the Bucks. Now, anything can happen, but with the emergence of Chris Godwin, who is a starting caliber wide receiver and will probably start for them if not Um, be in the game really quickly and and, you know more and more when we go out to practice we see Deshaun Jackson in the slot when they go three wide receivers and Godwin is a starter Um, so you know Deshaun's one of those guys that's not going to run 65 plays a game look this is a big year for him and it, it did not go well not all of it was on him for sure they've spent he's been here a lot more in fact I don't know that he's I don't know that he's missed any OTAs I mean the ones that we've, that been open to the public that that we've seen, at least he's been here every week, which is not what he's done in the past. He does have his sort of his routine to go out to California and train, you know, with a track coach that he's done for years because his speed is his biggest asset. But um, I, I suppose, you know, that there could come a point during the year if Godwin were, were that guy and, and, you know, they got Humphreys and, Um, you know, Watson, the new kid, I mean, they got a lot of guys, so it's possible that they could move him if some team gave them something, but, um, I think he's, I think they're committed to him for this year and they, I think they're anxious to see if they can't make it work. And so for that reason, I I think it would, I think it would, if they're going to trade him, it'd have to be sooner, but I don't, I don't think he's going to be traded. All right. We'll
0: go back in Buck's history now as Jim asked. Did during the Dungy era, did you ever hear any players say that they felt cheated out of more possible playoffs, championships, et cetera, because Dungy was too loyal and stuck with Dilfer and offensive coordinators too long?
1: Well, he stuck with Mike Shula and he wrote in his book, Quiet Strength, that the biggest mistake he made was allowing Mike Shula to leave. Um, I don't know if that's true, but I remember that, you know, the guy got fired at the Pro Bowl and it was a it was a mess because Dungy almost quit over it. And I'm not exaggerating. It almost happened. Um, and then after that, he had a lot of coordinators. You know, he didn't stick with anybody. I mean, he went from, you know, uh, you know, Les Steckle to Clyde Christensen and, um, you know, and that sort of thing. And so it didn't work out. As far as Dilfer goes, I think Tony was, you know, Tony was a stay the course guy. I mean, he – you know, he recognized that they drafted Trent Dofer in the first round. And, you know, um, look, Trent made the Pro Bowl in 97. They started winning. They started getting the playoffs consistency, consistently. But if you talk to those defensive players, it drove them nuts um, that he threw so many interceptions. And, and you know, they lost games. I remember them losing a game. Oh, gosh, what was it? Um, they didn't allow – I don't think they allowed a first down against the Giants until like the 3rd quarter and they lost <laughs> because Trent threw a bunch of picks. So there was a lot of frustration with Trent. And Trent got better obviously as he as he played um and then you know ultimately won a Super Bowl with the Ravens after he left here. But yeah, there was frustration. The thing is they didn't really have anyone to turn to. It wasn't like um you know you did have Sean King who they eventually drafted and then that that's exactly what happened, right? Sean King came in Trent Dilfer broke his collarbone. King comes in in, um, in 1999 and plays the last five games. I want to say they won maybe four of them um, and then ended up taking them all the way to the NFC Championship game when they lost to the Rams on the, the whole Bert Emanuel thing. So, um, you know, they, they did move away from Trent, but it wasn't until Trent's last two years that Sean King even showed up. We'll switch gears to the Lightning now as Cody tweeted
0: us. Now that the Lightning haven't made it to the big game, do you think they're thinking of trading Stammer?
1: No. I don't think so. Even though Stamkos, I think, I, I'm pretty sure Washington's going to win this this uh, Stanley Cup this year. It just seems like it's their year, and that means that Alexander Ovechkin, um, you know, the captain, wins a Stanley Cup, so he gets that monkey off his back. I think that makes Stamkos now the best player to have not won a Stanley Cup, and... That's a lot of pressure in and of itself, but he's got five, maybe six years. Steve, you probably know better than me on his contract. Uh, I, I just don't see them moving on from. He's Stanford. probably got six years, six to seven years left on the contract. Yeah, I, I mean, believe he's got a fathom. new move
0: clause, so I don't think they can trade him. To be they honest.
1: can't trade him. And look, he's got to be better five on five. I mean, you know, all but what twelve of his goals were uh, only twelve of his goals were full strength last year. So he's got to be better in that area, but um no you're hoping
0: that I mean, you're hoping that the knee will feel better next year yeah uh, you know i think the was, year after you know, he played the well year this year but surgery. yeah yeah next year he should be a lot better with that knee you'd like to see him get back to a more potent offensive threat non-power play
1: right exactly yeah he's relying a little too much i mean that seems to be where all his goals come from if he can skate better and and feel better we don't know i mean that's the thing you're right. Any kind of knee surgery, especially something like that with a total—I think he had a total meniscus replacement mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, um, it's it's a. It's Other a much players different that have gone surgery. through
0: it said it took a full year after yeah. coming back for oh, them yeah. to feel whatever normal is. As Stamkos has said, you know, with everything he's gone through and some of the strange injury he's he's gone through, that you know, he has no idea what normal is anymore. But
1: <laughs> I know. Well, I, I had this is no not to compare myself ever to Steven Stamkos, but like just I had a meniscus tear one time. And I can tell you, cause I ran a lot at the time and, um, I couldn't run obviously for a while, but I can tell you that you feel different three months out than six months out than nine months out and a year after surgery is a big deal. It's, you end up forgetting about it, at least the one that I had. And so, um, you are not, even though you're doing stuff on it that you used to do, it's not the same. It just isn't, but it gets stronger and um, you know, you do come back. And so I, I think you're right, Steve. I think we'll see um, if he can stay healthy in other areas, I think we'll see a different Steven Stamkos next year.
0: And I'd still like to see him separated from Kucherov so that they both look to shoot. I ball. know you would. I
1: know you would. I've
0: been saying that since the beginning of the calendar year.
1: Look, Kuch has to get better, man. As somebody was asking me, I heard, on, I think this was on the radio today. someone was like, well, do you think Ovechkin will inspire Kucherov? Well, that's already what he aspires. I mean, you know, that's the greatest Russian hockey player maybe of all time, right, mm-hmm. is Alexander Ovechkin. So, but he's a different type of player. He'll never be the physical presence that Ovechkin is or necessarily have the the grit. But he's got to have, he's got to come up with a bigger determination. I just go go back to game six. That was such a bad game for him. And, and he, the body language was so bad. And the head dropped. And... You know, he, he you seems can't... to get
0: lost in the game sometimes when, when they're spending a lot of time in the defensive end and not the offensive end. He seems to get down on himself. Isn't the right
1: analysis, but it's
0: lose a little interest, or yeah. you know, he's just not paying attention to all the little details.
1: Right, right, and and we know he's not a good defensive player, so that you know that that he's not going to give you much there. So it, it's there's another there's a lot of layers he can add to his game, but. The Lightning are going to get there. Look, they're going to get there as long as Eisenman keeps, you know, keep this core together and and keeps bringing guys up. The development they have as an organization is phenomenal. Look at all the young guys that come up and contribute right away, whether you know Sergeyev or Braden Point. They got more of those guys. down Next there. year, they're, they're going to have strong. a guy
0: named uh, Alexander Volkov come up, who played one year in AHL last year. He's a Russian-born player as a center. Cal Foot may be up the defensive. Uh, defenseman they drafted first round last year. Mitchell Stevens is going to come up. He's a lot like Tony Sorelli. Um, mm-hmm. Eric Chernak may be up, who they got in the Ben Bishop trade from the Kings. He's a defenseman. I mean, they're going to have a lot of young guys come up next year. So it's going to be interesting what Eiserman does with the roster to make room for those guys. Because I think you know, he wants to get way, them a lot of playing time.
1: The goaltender only has his first full season of starting. Think about that. This was his first full season as the starter. Mm-hmm. And he was the best player on the ice.
0: And he's a Vezina Trophy finalist for yeah. best goalie in hockey.
1: I mean, he will get better, folks. I mean, that's scary, but he will.
0: All right, and our final question for tonight's mailbag comes from Brian, who says, I believe Tom Jones said that he would like to be on the show more on today on yesterday's podcast. Can we make it a weekly scheduled appearance?
1: <laughs> Done. Yeah. What day would you like him on? I'll be happy to make sure that he does it. I believe Tom's response uh, on Twitter was, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> I think we can get him. I mean... The one thing about Tom, who you know was gonna be part of the biggest part of Sports Day Tampa Bay, <laughs> uh, until he wasn't, was that he said, "Hey guys, anytime you need me," and uh, that's becoming more frequent. So, so you're saying you want to um, make him regret that? I do. I, I we should have we should call him like every day, and and then like shame him into doing it three days a week. Um, but for right now, yeah, I don't know if he'll commit to a certain day or a specific day. But I think I think you you need your Tom Jones at least once a week. And I'm gonna that's gonna be my goal. Then we'll see where we go from there. And then Ellis responded,
0: would he do that from Boston?
1: <laughs> good good shot there. I like that. That was a that's a, a good,
0: that is a great tweet.
1: That's an old reference, but a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he was all over the Bruins, man. Yeah, the lightning met their match boy. Gotta hand it to these guys. They got no shot now. Nobody saw Washington coming. I guess Boston doesn't feel as bad either. That's the thing. If the Caps win this thing, and it looks like for all the world they will, I still think it goes six games because I think Las Vegas is going to get one. Um, but if they win this thing, I mean, think about it. I, you know, who knows how the Lightning in the in the Vegas series would have gone. But, you know, you took this team to seven games and you had actually, I mean, you needed one game out of the last two before you decided not to score for two games. But that's how close. I mean – Professional sportsman, I'm telling you. Well, and, and two years ago, they thing. took
0: Pittsburgh to seven in the Eastern Conference Finals when they won the I cup know. over San Jose, and
1: they won the cup. So yeah, it's it, You know, it's matchups. It's like, you know, who's hot at the time. You know, um, certain teams don't match up. I still say that the Bucks had a carpet ride through the playoffs the year they won the Super Bowl. They could not have drawn it up any better. Um, San Francisco winds up coming back, I think, miraculously and beating the Giants. I'm telling you, the Giants would have been a horrible matchup for the Bucs. They were a big, heavy team that ran downhill, and all the things that the Bucks do with their speed on defense would have been negated by power. And um, Instead, they got Steve Mariucci in a West Coast offense that they saw every single day in practice. And so, you know, uh, uh, obviously they, they had something for Philadelphia, but it's – and then, you know, they get to the Super Bowl, and there's the Oakland Raiders – I tell you what, man. I knew every one of Rich Gannon's audibles. You know what I mean? I played Rich Gannon in practice, um, so you know that was that was meant to be. And this year, yeah, you know, the Lightning ran into a team they just. They, I just don't think they matched up really well with them, even though they needed one game out of the last two to to go to the Stanley Cup. So speaking of Tom, and we just were—I'm not sure where he'd fall on this. You may or may not agree with me. You could be on the other side of this too, Steve. But um, I'll just say that, like this, the biggest story that has been wearing everybody out, I think, over the last 24, 48 hours, whatever it is, um, is this whole—you know—President uh, Trump, I guess, uninviting the Eagles to the White House, and you know, there's a lot of, depending on who you believe, the Eagles put down—you know—they were bringing 80 people, and then. Um, requested a day, they knew that the president was going to be at a summit and then um, wound up saying, you know, 10 or less were actually going to show up. And so obviously the optics of that were not going to work um, for the president, and he he canceled it. But in doing so, I think the first tweet was he made reference to, um, you know, the Eagles in particular, but not standing for the national anthem. And in fact – no Eagle player failed to stand for the national I anthem, mean, And then you had, you had Fox news, you know, had a picture that, you know, was Zach Ertz, and another guy They were actually kneeling, but they were kneeling in prayer. They apologized for that. This whole thing has just been this back and forth kind of, I think everybody's tired of it um, a little bit, but by the same token, it's like, I'm, you know, and and you can you can look at it both ways you can say well you know why why is the president politicizing this but you know his his counter is with that the eagles politicized it by not coming to the white house i got a solution for this stop inviting teams to the white house it's stupid it, it used to be a great honor and i and i still and i'm this is from somebody who's a history buff and i unbelievably I'll get into the story one day but you know a guy from Robinson Drive in St. Petersburg found his way through the Bucks, no less, not for the White House visit because they, them and the Lightning, for whatever reason, Tampa Bay's world champions, did not get to go to the White House, either team. There was the Gulf War. There was some conflict going on, and neither team actually. The Lightning had a um, the lockout. Light, Lightning had a blackout, so, yeah, they, they couldn't go. But, um, but in any case, I found myself there playing a preseason game up there. Long story short, I found myself – with a small contingent of people that that got um, sort of a a guided tour with the guy that was the head of Secret Service for the White House, and he he took us to the West Wing, and we and I was I have stood in the Oval Office. It was Clinton was president then, stood behind the desk. Um, had I still have chills when I think about it? I I could not believe where I was. Um, it's it's an experience few people ever have a chance. And look, these guys. Usually end up in the Rose Garden when they visit the White House, right? I don't know that they all end up in the Oval Office, but the point is, it's a great, great honor to go, and it's it's just the history. It's the people's house. It's not. It doesn't matter who's in office. I mean, it's it's awe inspiring just to be there. And I think you know, I think it's cool if you get invited. You know, it, it's a great opportunity. But in the way things are going now with the divisiveness, and you know, you go back to last year and when, when you know the SOB comment and it got to be out of hand. And now the owners have this new policy where, well, they're not going to come out if you don't want to, you know, one, everyone has to stand, but if you, if you don't, you should stay in the locker room. This thing has, Steve, I'm telling you, we're not going to get out from under this because politically, you know, 90% or 80 something percent people, it's an easy win. It's like, yeah, you should stand for the national anthem and who doesn't believe that? Right, but it's never been about the anthem, and and everybody's talking at each other instead of to each other. And I wish that my solution is, you know what? Stop inviting people to the White House. <laughs> Just stop it. Well, the Cavs Whether and it's... Warriors
0: have already said neither team will accept an invite if they get one.
1: Right. So okay. So don't don't ask and don't go. You know what I mean? Like it's look. I mean, Tom Brady didn't go. You know, they the 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 Patriots went, and Bob Kraft went. And the whole team, you know, a large contingent of the team. Tom Brady wasn't there. And he's friends with Donald. And, and he supposedly plays golf with a guy. So he didn't like the optics or he had something better to do with Giselle. So, you know, where's all the where's all the outrage on, on Tom Brady refusing an invitation? He's the greatest player who ever lived, right? He's the GOAT. I don't know. It's just like we have different rules for different people and different teams. And it's, you know, you're not supposed to say no. Or if you say no, you're trying. I'm just, I, I think people are tired of it. And I won't get into the political thing because I, I, I don't think <laughs> I think peaceful protest is a big part of this country. And whether where you choose to do it, look, they have a platform; they're going to use it. That's what protest is supposed to make you uncomfortable and all those things. But this was not a big deal. I, look, I remember there were five, five players I think in the league that were taking a knee back in the day, uh, and then it became, you know, the sob comment, and then the owners joined hands, and now. This thing is never going away because the NFL botched it when they got in the meetings and it's not going to work for anybody. And I'm afraid we're going to be writing a bunch of national Anthem stories. And I wish, I wish either side, would just, I'm just, you know, I'm, I can see both, but I'm just tired of it. And I think with respect to the white house visits, just stop, just don't invite anybody. Let's just stop. Okay. Anyone can go to the white house anytime they want. You'll get a tour of the East wing, put your name on a list you'll get in there eventually and you know maybe you'll maybe you'll see some cool stuff but as far as as far as these visits go I mean plus you know almost everybody goes now I mean it's like and I'm not saying one team is better than the other but, but when you consider all the NCAA teams whether it's you know women's champions or men's champions and um you know then you have your pro teams and every league has a team i mean it just seems like you could be doing these. You could be doing these, you know, rose garden photo ops every every week if you wanted to. The
0: presidents are usually looking for photo ops.
1: Absolutely, and this was not going to be the crowd that he wanted, and yeah. certainly considered it an insult if ten or more people, ten or less people, were going. Mm-hmm. You know, so why do it? But you know, he's got to take ownership of that too, because you know, if that many people feel that you know they that the politics are not right and they don't feel comfortable going or whatever. You got to own that. Maybe, maybe try to spend time sitting down and figuring out why there's such a great divide and bring people together. I mean, that might be one, one way of handling it, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, that's my rant for the day. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go all too political. I'm just, I know people are tired of it. And and I think this thing went sideways right away. So you know what? The bucks and the lightning survived it. They didn't get to go to the white house for totally different <laughs> reasons and I'm still bitter about it a little bit, but um, that's a personal thing because I would have loved to have covered them up there. Um, but you know what? They still have the banners. They're still world champions, and you don't have to go. And, and maybe, maybe they stop inviting people. They won't. I don't know what's next. I mean, we're not going to go out for the anthem. You know, until 2009, by the way, in the NFL, teams weren't out in the field before the anthem. I mean, so, you know, it hasn't been that long that they've even been out there in the first place. It's never been about the anthem. It's not about the flag. And then you know, of course, politically everybody thinks it is, and I get it. But anyway, that's my rant. I'm not going to go any deeper than that right now. It's just I, I understand how people are weary of this whole this whole thing. So, uh, thanks again for your mailbag questions. It was uh, it's always a lot of fun. Uh, we try to do this once a week, and um, you know, there's there's always opportunity to talk about all kinds of things with the Bucks, the Rays, uh, the Lightning, certainly any of the college teams. We talked a lot of USF with Tom Jones. Uh, yesterday so if you didn't have a chance to hear that podcast you want to go back and listen to it you certainly can you can always reach us uh, we love the interaction on twitter at sports Day tv you can reach me at nflstroud or my email address is rstroud at tampa bay.com uh, as always rate and review this podcast if you get an opportunity that really helps us out and Steve where can they get this podcast
0: you can get this anywhere you get podcasts uh iTunes Google Play Stitcher iHeartRadio TuneIn SoundCloud you can subscribe so you get the podcast every day downloaded to your mobile device or you can go to tampabay.com slash sports the latest episodes are there too
1: appreciate you guys listening uh as always I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Burstink. have a great day everybody